helping disciple makers ignite a movement locally and globally. This is the Disciple First Podcast. Now, here's your host, Craig Ethridge. Welcome, everybody, to the Disciple First Podcast. It's a podcast by disciple makers and for disciple makers. And my name is Craig Etheridge. I'm your host, and I'm here with my good friend, Doug Holliday. Doug Holliday was named the Executive Director of Sun Life, effective July the 1st, 2013, and he brings a wealth of disciple-making experience to his role. He was first trained by Sun Life in 1988 and implemented the disciple-making strategy in two churches. Then later, he joined Sun Life in 2001 as a regional coordinator. And then in 2004, Doug took Sun Life Train to Africa, where he eventually served as the East African Regional Coach for J-Life. In, 20, in 2008, Doug started Doug Holiday Ministries and Open Door Haiti, where he launched a school for youth pastors there. And now Doug serves as the executive director for Sun Life and really oversees that ministry's uh, scope all across the United States and reaching to other countries as well. Uh, we had Doug uh, come speak at our Flashpoint conference in February, and Doug just hit it out of the park. And Doug, I'm so excited for you to be here on the podcast today. Oh, Craig, it's a, it's a privilege to, to be with you on the podcast, and it was a privilege to be with you there in, in Dallas at, uh, at Flashpoint. Just exciting to see what, what God is doing uh, through that ministry and, and raising up a generation of disciple makers. Well, thank you, buddy. I, I, I want to talk today about student ministry, and I know that um, you've got a lot of experience in student ministry, and really the focus of Sun Life right now is on youth pastors, student pastors, and igniting a movement of disciple-making there. So I wanted you to kind of unpack a little bit of how does a pastor, maybe a student pastor that's listening here, how do they really begin to do disciple making in the context of student ministry? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Uh, Sun Life, um, you know, 35, 37 years ago, it started as the youth ministry division of Moody Ministries out of Chicago. And so, you know, that, that had, had kind of uh, always been at the heart and the, the, the root of, of Sun Life. And uh, Dan Spader, uh, our, our founder back then, um, it was really a statement from one of his profs that, that caught his attention because at the time Dan was just a, uh, um, he was a part-time paid youth pastor while he was, uh, in Bible school. And one of, one of his profs made the offhanded comment that more than likely many of Jesus, uh, initial disciples were teenagers. And, uh, you know, that, that thought just uh, gripped Dan's heart, began to study, study through the Gospels. Um, that uh, prof actually um, was one of the, uh, the authors, compilers of the, the Thomas and Gundry Harmony of the Gospels. And uh, so Dan got a harmony and began to study through chronologically the, the life of Jesus and what Jesus did to make disciples out of these, you know, more than likely many of them teenagers. And uh, so, you know, when we think about about youth ministry, and for me stepping into this role a few years ago um, as the executive director of Sun Life, 
you know, really um, my heart was to help um, reconnect Sun Life to those roots of youth ministry and reaching the next generation. Not that we don't have a heart for the whole church. Obviously we do, um, but uh, to reach that next generation, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure you, I'm sure many of your listeners have, have heard the statistic that, um, you know, 90% of those who, who trust Christ in our country are going to make that decision before they graduate from college. 85% who trust Christ, they're going to make that decision before they graduate from high school. Fully 80% of those who trust Christ in our country are going to make that decision before they graduate from middle school. And so if we are going to effectively fulfill the Great Commission, um, we can't avoid, we can't neglect um, the next generation and focusing on students. And so just from a, just from a, a practical standpoint uh, for you and I as, as men, for your listeners who are passionate about making disciples um, within the scope of that, we've got to really focus on that next generation and uh, not just reaching them with the gospel, but uh, think about it. Who better to reach a junior high student than a fellow junior high student? Who better to reach a high school student than a fellow high school student, one of their peers? Who better to reach a college student than a fellow college student. And so not just reaching students, but then also equipping those students to make disciples of their peers, equipping them uh, to, uh, to reach their own generation. And uh, so just thinking about strategically um, what we need to do to see that happen um, for, for too long uh, in student ministry, uh, we've just really essentially been about programs and trying to come up with with programs. You know, Sunday shows up every week, Wednesday shows up every week, and and it's so easy, whether it's pastor, a youth pastor, youth worker, to get in in. I want to say that the the rhythm, but it's not just a rhythm, but it can become a rut of coming up with with those programs every week to provide something, but where are those programs taking us? And is there truly a disciple-making focus to what we're doing? And not just a disciple-making focus with those programs, but I think, I think so, many, so many pastors, so many youth pastors, they have this, they have this, desire in their heart, I believe, to see to see disciples made, but it's the pathway that that they're they're on to try and see that happen where they continue to hit roadblocks. And part of that that struggle is uh, just with the mentality that we have within youth ministry or within the church as a whole in North America when it comes to discipleship. And we have this idea that discipleship is just that it's helping believers to grow and to become mature in their faith. And so then we think, well, how do we help believers to grow and become mature in their faith? What, what, um, 
what curriculum is out there that we can use for discipleship? Um, or we think, what classes can we establish and set up, discipleship classes, to help us to make disciples? Or what programs can we put in place to help us to make disciples? Uh, and so we have, you know, whether it's curriculum or classes or programs for discipleship, um, but what we fail to grasp, we fail to understand when we, we put our focus there is that curriculum doesn't make disciples. Classes don't make disciples. Programs don't make disciples. Disciples make disciples. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesus in, in Luke 640, he, he made the, the statement, um, the, uh, a student, same word for a disciple, a student, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. And that word for teacher, same word for rabbi. And so if a, a, a disciple, when they're fully trained, is going to be like the one who's discipling them, and the one who is discipling them made a priority to disciple, then it's built right into the DNA of being a disciple that we have to then in turn make disciples. It's like an oxymoron to have a non-disciple making disciple. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's where the, the, the major roadblock that we hit with, with discipleship in youth ministry or in the, the, the church in North America is it's not a, a relational based approach to disciple making. And it's not a reproducing approach to disciple making. It's it's a curriculum based or it's a class based or a program based. It's a knowledge based uh, approach to discipleship, but it doesn't produce the end result of disciples who are making disciples. And uh, so we've got to got to really start there with with that understanding in terms of from a, a strategic or a f- philosophical grid that it's it's disciple making is about relationships and disciple making is about reproduction and without those two critical components as a part of our understanding uh in youth ministry we're gonna we're gonna continue to get the same results that we've gotten for years and years and years which uh you know the statistics over the last number of years have pointed to the fact that um, when students graduate, they evacuate. Um, so many, when they graduate from high school and move on to college, they end up leaving the church. Um, and uh, some of them, you know, walking away from their faith because they haven't, they haven't truly been invested in, they haven't truly been discipled. They haven't been given something with the expectation of them owning their faith and passing their faith on to others. You know, Doug, as I was hearing you talk about that, I I was just reminded that there's a lot of pressure on youth pastors to do those programs and to get their numbers in and uh, to be attractive to students. And that seems to war against this relational and reproduction kind of mindset. Well, it it is a, it is a challenge, um, frankly, because you look at Jesus and his, you know, three and a half, four years that he had with his 
youth ministry. And, you know, you get to look at it. Um, there's the one account where Jesus um, and Peter, uh, they have the other disciples with them, but then Jesus and Peter are confronted about paying paying the temple tax. And Jesus sends Peter down to the the water and you know catch the first fish open its mouth you'll find find a coin and and jesus takes that coin and pays the temple tax for himself and peter and you cross-reference that and you see that that temple tax was something that was to be paid by those who are 21 years of age or older and so whether or not uh the other disciples weren't yet of age where they had to pay the temple tax we don't know but it potentially points to that fact. Um, and so you could almost look at it like Jesus has, you know, um, a youth ministry with a, uh, 11 teenagers, one of them, a really rotten kid, Judas, mm-hmm. and one one adult sponsor, Peter, you know, an adult volunteer. Um, so he's got this youth ministry and he obviously he's got the masses, he's got the crowds, but he chooses intentionally to invest in a few. And I think for most of our, for most of our churches across the United States, um, for a youth pastor, a youth worker to choose to intentionally invest in a few, um, if, if the, the church that he's in isn't supportive of that disciple-making culture, uh, he's going to run into those challenges where, um, wait a second, why are you focusing so much on this handful of students? What about all these others? Or you're focusing on these few and the ministry isn't growing um, and it, it does become that numbers game of, you know, reaching more and more and more. And, uh, you know, you could you could have hundreds of kids come out, you know, just, you know, light poodles on fire and juggle them, you know, uh, you know, offer, you know, free pizza, whatever. And you can you can get a crowd. And Jesus obviously had crowds. I mean, he performed miracles. He, you know, fed the five thousand. But even though he had those crowds, he pulled back and invested the majority of his time raising up a few. And uh, so to, to do things right, um, it's got to be that relational investment that you make. And so I think for the, the typical youth pastor, youth worker, um, you know, there, there's got to be a handful of students who that, that youth pastor is pouring into um, when, when you do that whether it's your elders or your deacons um, that you're going to catch flack from because maybe some of them have uh, some of them have children who are in the youth ministry and they're not among those handful who you're pouring into um, or other, other parents who are upset about that. Um, But it's, it's not just that, that youth pastor, youth leader pouring into students, but really investing their life in um, leaders and, in a sense, raising up and discipling leaders who can disciple students. You've got to get to the place where, where the, the youth pastor 
isn't the hub that all of the disciple-making orbits around, but they're pouring their life into leaders and delegating um, that disciple-making uh, responsibility to leaders who, whether it's through 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 Sunday school, through small groups, through whatever, they are investing their life into students to raise them up to be disciples. Hey, Doug, um, let me ask you a question about that. When you say uh, youth pastors investing in leaders, are you talking about like adult volunteers or are you talking about uh, other students? Well, I, I think that it is not an either or it's a it's a both and and some of it would depend on the size of the ministry you know so in a in a, a smaller ministry you know say maybe you've got 50 students or less um in in that kind of a ministry the that youth pastor is going to be more probably hands-on with students and also has to invest in leaders to be hands-on with students. They can't disciple 50 kids themselves. Um, as the ministry grows, that youth pastor can never completely pull away from investing in students, but more and more they've got to invest. You know, if you've got a youth ministry of 100, 200 students, uh, you need to have just, uh, you know, a multitude of um, adult volunteers, leaders who you're pouring into and investing, who each of them has students who they're pouring into and investing mm -hmm. to, to, to reach and disciple um, their own. And part of the, part of the critical nature uh, of not just investing in students, but investing in adult volunteers is just for the consistency of the ministry, mm -hmm. because in a in adult ministry, um, you you've got folks who they have jobs. They're in your church. They're going to be there. Uh, you don't have a timetable necessarily with them leaving. But you know, as a, a high school pastor, you've got those kids for four years. They're going to graduate. They're going to move on. They're going to be moving out of your ministry. And so, you know, if you're spending all of your time pouring into and investing in students and not developing adult leaders when those key students uh, move up and move on um, and you don't have that solid consistency of leadership to continue to have that baseline to move the ministry forward uh, you're just rebuilding it it feels like every you know every year or every other year. And so just to have, have that kind of a um, uh, overall ministry health, you want to pour into students, but at the same time, you have to pour into leaders who are going to be there uh, to help build the ministry around. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a both and situation. You want peer on peer, but you also want adults trained to give consistency to the ministry long-term. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it needs to be, it needs to be a both hand. Yeah. So, and I would even, I would even argue for this, if you've got small groups going on, rather than seeing your adult volunteers as the small group leaders, the, the quicker you can get to a place where they become coaches of, um, say high school students who are leading those small groups for their peers, but there's, 
you know, there's an adult volunteer in there with them as their disciple or coach, and they're kind of leading that together um, to get students in a position where where they're leading, they're discipling, they're investing in their peers. Uh, so it's a, a peer-led adult volunteer assisted approach. Um, you know, that's the that's the place where where you want to get to. That's not where you start, but to get to that place. And obviously when those students graduate, you're going to have to, um, if you don't have other students to step into that vacuum, you're going to be raising up a, a new generation again. But um, that's the place where, where you really want to get to is giving students the opportunity to, uh, to be speaking into that and leading their peers. Doug, just with uh, just in a couple of minutes here, what are some practical things that a youth pastor could do? You talked about philosophy of ministry, about investing in a few. You talked about uh, relational and reproduction. Uh, you talked about peer on peer and also building leaders. So you covered a lot, but what are maybe a couple of uh, bullet points or a punch list that a youth pastor listening to this could say, okay, I could start maybe you know, start with these few things and then build from there? Yeah, well, I, I would think that one of the key things that you want to start with is you want to start with prayer um, <clears throat> and personally praying and then getting your uh, your leadership team, your core team of, of adult volunteers and getting them praying uh, and then getting your student leaders praying that there would just be a culture of prayerful dependence flowing through your ministry um, and uh, praying for spiritually lost friends, for, uh, for students to have God's heart for their friends who don't know Jesus and that coming, you know, as they're, as they're praying for them. So, you know, prayer being a key and then also, have to have to give our students our, our adult volunteers as well but we have to give them the tools that they need we have to give them the training that they need to be able to clearly and effectively articulate the message of the gospel uh, you know any discipleship that doesn't begin with evangelism and end with evangelism isn't really biblical discipleship. You know, it starts with someone coming to know Christ and then you're discipling them to the place where they can then do the same with others and bring someone else to Christ and, and disciple them, uh, that reproduction taking place. And so for someone to be effective in that, we need to train and equip them uh, to be able to communicate their own story, their testimony. We need to train and equip them to articulate the simple message of the gospel. And I'd say if you can't communicate the message of the gospel in two minutes or less, uh, you probably don't have uh, a clear enough handle on it. It's got to be simple. It doesn't mean that every time you communicate it, it needs to be two minutes or less, but, you know, just straight up to be able to articulate it simply so that you know how to bob and weave throughout a conversation with someone who doesn't know Christ and and drive the message of the gospel in that point home with them. And so I, I think, you know, prayer and that that training and tools in terms of students sharing their faith 
are, are two of the key things in terms of where you're going to want to start. And, uh, you know, if you've got those, that's a, that's a great head start towards seeing students uh, becoming disciples who make disciples. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Doug, for your investment in our life and our ministry of our church and also your investment in churches and youth pastors all across the country and literally around the world. If you want to know more about how to be a part of leading a disciple-making student ministry, you can uh, come to flashpointconference.com. You can find resources there. Also, you can join us at our Flashpoint Conference and meet with Doug personally. You can also go to Sun Life Ministry, where they have lots of tools and resources to help you lead your student ministry to become a disciple-making ministry. All that is found on theflashpointconference.com, theflashpointconference.com. And we also have two um, conferences coming up, one in Atlanta, April the 15th and 16th, and then one in Houston, on April the 29th and 30th. Hope to see you there in Atlanta and Houston. Now go make disciples.